0: This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. I am Herb White. I'm editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post. And as becoming (laughs) usual now, I'm starting to get into that groove of having a running partner, Cameron Williams, who is all things to all sports. All and, things to all sports.
1: I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I do cover a plethora of them. No doubt about
0: it. So, let's start covering in today's podcast. I uh, think that it's, you know, you look at the calendar. Here we are. It's December 21st. It's a Thursday. A lot of attention is obviously on Christmas and New Year's. But here at Sports Charlotte, we are talking sports in charlotte and the thing that is right now is the talk about national signing day so what you got
1: yeah the charlotte 49ers um they are they've inked one of the one of the top uh, when you combine transfers and high schoolers combined they've inked one of the top classes in the country um you know you know, when Biff first got there, when head coach Biff Poggi first got there, you know, he was he was scrambling uh, last January to find a bunch of players to compete in the American Conference. And so what did he do? You know, as any, hit, you know, successful high school coach would, he went and got a lot of those players that had played for him. Um, and he, he was brutally honest at the end of the last season. He's like, that didn't work. Um, he's like, I just, it didn't work. And he, was, he started to look at a lot more than just, you know, talent, and he started looking at the character of the players. While, while talent's still important, and, I mean, you're not just, you're not signing four and five stars that aren't talented. So, um, the, and the big, the big question was the quarterback room. Um, you know, it was either they had a running quarterback out there or a passing quarterback out there, and not one that could do both and excel at both really well. Um, you know, Jalen Jones was good at what he could do, and Trek was good at what, they, uh, what he could do and they brought in a quarterback from Florida, Max Brown, who Biff Pogey compared him to a well uh like a Ferrari. Like when he compared him to a car, he's like it's a it's like a brand new Ferrari, um to paraphrase. And so he obviously thinks a lot of him um and if if they get, if they got the quarterback right, I think that's the first step in the right direction of getting the program turned around.
0: Well, the other side of that is this program is Ten years old, played eleven seasons, and the quarterback position has always been an issue, with some exceptions every now and again during the Chris Reynolds days. Yeah, and boy, I miss him. It seems like he was there for six years. But well, he he was there for six years. <laughs> oh well, okay. Well, I, I stand correct for once, <laughs> uh, but you never could really get a handle if you're Charlotte on getting that stud quarterback located that guy who could literally put the entire team on his shoulders and will it to win Uh, that person has been a unicorn for this program and if Biff Pogey has located him you know he's already solved a whole bunch of problems right off the top would you agree?
1: Oh absolutely I mean it, it goes without, you know, question that the quarterback is such a valuable position. It is the most valuable position on the field, and if you don't have a guy that you have complete and utter confidence that he can do anything you ask him to do on the field, you don't you don't have a guy. You know, and so if if they found that in Max Brown from Florida, then that is going to be the number one spot to start of rebuild, rebuilding the program around values that, you know, you as a coach, Biff Poggi, you know, he, he has. Um, and so it, it, it's a
0: good, good starting point. Uh, do you know much about Max Brown's background other than he was at Florida and, you know, it's not like the Gators were great shakes this year Uh, was was it just a numbers thing or was it something else that caused him to get into the portal
1: you know with a lot (laughs) the portal is a um, it's a tricky animal Um, a lot of a lot of guys would go in the portal just because you're not getting a lot of run, or sometimes it'll be because, you know, now with NIL and uh, the, the gold mine initiative that Charlotte has, you know, they're starting to... They're paying. They're, they're dishing out a little NIL money here and there. So, you know, college sports, you know, we've talked about this before. It's just it's such a unusual thing nowadays where people are going to chase the dollar or people are going to try to find... The old adage, the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, But, no, I mean, Max Brown was a highly touted recruit out of high school. Um, I think he was a four-star on what was it, Rivals or uh, 247 and things of that nature. So um, he's got a lot of talent, and I think he's got a lot
0: of uh, value that can be added to the 49ers. And there are obviously other positions of need uh, with the program. Uh, From where you sit, what – outside of quarterback needs to be addressed.
1: Uh the receiver room, um you know Jack Estera was really solid last year for the 49ers, but I think if you can add a couple pieces around him and just I, I think one thing that you know it, it's hard to you know strictly judge a quarterback whenever you know the receiving core wasn't up to par either um so that that's one thing that kind of gets overlooked when people are so harsh on Jalen Jones or or Ivy as well all the pieces weren't necessarily in place to help those guys out either um so that's a point that I'm sure you know Biff and uh newly uh hired coach Tim Brewster are really looking at and so I mean from here it's just how the how are they going to mesh you know you bring in you sign a lot of a lot of local kids um uh, defensive back from West Charlotte High School has signed with the Forty ers So, um, obviously, emphasizing the defense too. Biff Pogey, he'll tell you, he's he don't want to win games thirty five to thirty two. He wants to win them twenty one to seventeen. You know, he wants you know defense to be number one priority. So, um, things are definitely pointing in the right direction. At least I feel right now for Charlotte. Uh,
0: one of the things that I noticed between last year's signing. Uh, period, and this one, is that there's more of that local flavor in there, Mm -hmm. as opposed to Pogey's first class, because there was a bunch of kids from Maryland, kids who played for Power Fives, uh, who weren't from Charlotte, and Charlotte is still, that Charlotte region, is still a great spot to get some high school talent or transfers, into a program like the
1: 49ers. Well, and that's something that when he got here last January, he didn't have a recruiting footprint here. And by just building relationships with coaches, I know um, he knows Coach Sam Greiner at West Charlotte really well. Um, I just mentioned the you know the player they signed from West Charlotte. Um, he knows uh, Chad Greer at Providence Day School very well. He extended an offer to their running back this season. Um, and for those you know who may may know my background a little bit, you know. I cover high school sports too, and so I've seen Biff out at games several, uh, at least three that I can count. Um, you're getting in the high schools and knowing the coaches, learning the faces of the players, and uh, recruiting Charlotte. And that's one of the biggest complaints that you'd hear from former you know coaches at you know, these schools locally is you know, we don't see Charlotte recruiting Charlotte, and you know you you go and get these kids from. You know X, Y, and Z states. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's a lot of talent in other states. I mean, Rod Gainey coming from Florida, um, he's going to be a great addition to the running back room at Charlotte. So, but it was all about recruiting Charlotte. I mean, if you're gonna be in a city that's a hotbed full of talent. I mean, I know one of our talking points here soon is going to be about Power Echoes. I mean, you got a kid like that played at Vance now Chambers, and he's going to Carolina. If Charlotte's in there getting at him first. You gotta be, you gotta be first. That that leaving that impression and having that connection with a kid first is important, and I think that's
0: one thing Biff, as well as Bruce, is really focusing on. Okay, so let's transition off National Signing Day to Power Echols. You yeah. had an opportunity to uh, to talk to him uh, this week in advance of next week's uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, he sounds excited about coming home yeah definitely he uh, you
1: know you couldn't have told him that the game's lost any of its luster you know with drake may and tez walker not playing and declaring for the nfl draft he's like okay great you know they're doing what's best for their future and their family i'm still you know we're still ready to play a game you know the the morale around the team still high right now and he's looking forward to it um you know this is kind of a full circle moment for him you know the goal in high school was to get to Chapel Hill to play in the state championship game that's where the 4AA championship game was held for the vast majority of his time in high school and so but now it's like okay now we're trying to get to a bowl game and one of the closest bowl games is back in Charlotte so he's looking forward to being back home and showcasing his talents in front of family friends and uh, you know Carolina fans who may not have seen him play in high school. Mm
0: I remember him from the Vance days before this, this, the name was changed to uh, Chambers. And he was always that dude who was around the ball. And <laughs> it, it hasn't changed a whole lot for him in, in college. And I think maybe he's a little underrated in terms of on a national level, where you don't, you know, his name doesn't necessarily resonate nationally as far as butkus award and stuff like that uh but uh you know wonderful high school player and he's been more than competent as a collegian so you know but one of the questions that you asked him was what's his future looking like talk a little bit about that yeah um carolina fans will be
1: happy to hear that he plans on playing his senior year at carolina um yeah that was one thing he made very clear he just I asked him about it. and He's like, "Yes, sir. That's you know, that's what I plan to do." Um, but right, you know, right now he said it's kind of it's kind of far out. I mean, he he's focusing on going one and zero this week. It's the last week of the season for them, and so yeah, you know, that's that's the the old adage to go one and zero each week, and you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's something that the more and more you talk to athletes, it's. It's true, you know. If in football you go one and zero each week, and if you can do that, you end up undefeated. So, um, but yeah, he, he's really looking forward to it. Like you mentioned, great player in high school, MVP of uh, the state championship game in 2019, and then now at Carolina in his uh, junior year. Uh, believe these stats are great, like 96 uh, total tackles, 55 of those are solo this season. So great player, great leader, and that's one thing he's hoping to be is you know that, that leader for the team
0: uh, in this last game of the year and into a senior year. But I guess the most important thing, if you're a fan or a follower of North Carolina football, is he's planning on playing in the Mayo yeah. Bowl and not sitting it out. Because if he sat out, obviously he's declaring himself eligible for the NFL draft. So I guess he can always change his mind after the game, but. At least for next week, <laughs> he's yeah, a Tar he'll, Heel, he'll
1: be, and uh, that's one thing. He's like the guys can't focus on who's not going to be playing with them. Um, it's a next man up kind of opportunity. Um, not trying to give away my whole story yet because uh, you can we, read that. We don't want you, want you to read to that. Com. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you did make sure to read that. But he uh, he's just he's really excited about it, and, and that's one thing that from from the fans' perspective, you, you don't have your. Top tier quarterback, your top tier receiver playing. It's easy to kind of get oh ho hum. It's just another game. You're playing for a chance to win a bowl game. You'll be excited. Um, and then at, if at, in the end of the day, if uh, if Carolina comes out on top, you get to dump mayo
0: all over Mac Brown's head. <laughs> just don't taste him. <laughs> I'm just saying that you know that's, that's yeah you, you don't want to do that. Uh, the other side of of bowl preparation that sometimes is overlooked is when you talk about those younger athletes, those freshmen and sophomores who will be returning either to the program they're with now or whether they transfer out or whatever. It's an opportunity for them to go through practices and develop. And that's why coaches, you know, it's almost like the game itself is anticlimactic. The mm-hmm. most important part of the Preparation for a bowl game is those practice sessions that you get in, and yeah. that's the thing that a lot of programs are really banking on. And one thing now that not a lot of people know, and just it's probably an
1: oversight for a lot of people, is you with uh, kids being able to graduate early now, and in, you know the NCAA saying you can instantly be a part of the the team. A lot of these uh, freshmen that are going to be freshmen you know, next season are uh, getting to you know, witness the bowl game and getting to be a part of that, and like. Carolina, they've signed a lot of you know talent from down this way, um, even further south. They've got a receiver from Crest, a receiver from Providence Day, and one from up in the Greensboro area at uh, Greensboro Grimsley High School. And so all those guys are going to be a part of the Duke's Mayo Bowl, not in a playing capacity, but you know just there and being able to experience that. So it's good for the people that are playing to show them, yeah, you know, this is what Carolina football is all about.
0: Next up Football still. And the Carolina Panthers won a game. <laughs> man, oh man, it's been a good week in two. It, 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 well, yeah. hey, they doubled their win total in one fell swoop. Now it was nowhere <laughs> close to beautiful. It was as ugly and dreary as the weather that day, uh playing the Falcons. But uh in the NFL, you know, who cares as long as you come out on top? That's right. My, you know, my brother's a huge, huge
1: Panthers fan. and um, <laughs> he's, Sunday after he's a miserable <laughs> person right about now, isn't he? Sunday after church, you know, we just ate some lunch, and we're, we're sitting there, and my, my dad's already slumped on the couch. We're, we got the Panthers game on. And myself, I'm starting to doze off, and then well, next thing you know, my brother's nudging both of us saying, hey, hey, the Panthers have a field goal kick to win. We're like, what? what? So, I mean, there, there are still Panthers fans that are out there that find joy in it, and that's one thing about sports. It doesn't matter if your team is at the, the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> but, you know, it can bring joy to a lot of people, and, I mean, my brother was super excited that they won 9-7. to seven. But, hey,
0: a win's a win. Yeah, That might be their last one, but you know, the way this season has gone, that could be closer to reality than Anybody else will admit. But I think that the you know, do you read more into that particular result other than what it was? I mean because you know, if you go to social media, there are going to be some people who will say, "Oh, well this is Bryce Young's coming out party," or it means absolutely nothing in terms of changing the trajectory of this team. What do you say? Mm, let's say it's
1: a coming out party for a quarterback where you only had nine points. <clears throat> well,
0: I think the, that's a bit of an oversight. Well, the the conditions were treacherous though.
1: They were, but again, it's two NFC South teams. That <laughs> it, it wasn't like it was super tough competition. And they had no disrespect to the Falcons, no disrespect to the Panthers, but right now, if they're being honest, where they are at as programs, it wasn't a super high-caliber or high-profiles type of game to where you can draw a lot of conclusions from it. And, I mean, I know there's a lot of sports anal- analysts, and they'll, they'll dig into the analytics. Well, this is what you can take from it. This is what you can take from it. it was a barn-burner type game where, you know, if you're into sports betting, the under, you should have hammered it. It was 33 points, and they didn't even come close. <laughs> yeah. So it's just... It was just one of those things where I don't know what you can really draw from this other than rainy game, not a lot of points. Bryce played a little bit better
0: than what he's played in the past. The thing that stood out to me, though, was the final drive. You go 95 yards or something like that to – well, you 95 yards away from, from the goal line. But he drives them downfield, completes a bunch of clutch passes, puts them in the – field goal range for a chip shot, they win, you know, you walk off. That is something to note and yeah. everything. And the, their two wins this year were both walk-off field goals. <laughs> so it's like, well, you know. But, it, but I think that it does show that Bryce Young is capable of those types of things under duress, but this team is so lacking in so many different Areas of offense, you know, the defense. I think you can win with with yeah. that group. If
1: that defense stays healthy, that's that's the thing. You got so many guys missing time, whether it be mm-hmm. J J C Horn constantly with the little medical symbol by his name on the ESPN, you know, out. But uh, it, if the defense stays healthy, that's you know that's fine. I, you know, those I'm sure they'll hit on some pieces maybe a little bit later in their draft picks, trying to fill in some gaps here and there. But we said it. More than we can, you know, I'm about tiring of saying it. Fix that offensive line. That man has – Bryce is scrambling for his life. Yeah, and he's not the biggest (laughs) dude out there either. No, he's not. And he's
0: just one good blasting away from going poof. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to put it. (laughs) And so, you know, it's – you're right, that game – in the great scheme doesn't mean a whole lot to anybody except for maybe the Chicago bears (laughs) who hold that draft pick after the trade last earlier this year with Carolina. Now I'm sure they will be scoreboard watching whether that's a number one pick or number two pick once the season is over. But you know, in the great scheme of things, there's going to be a new coach and who knows what else in Carolina. And now folks in Atlanta are starting to wonder if uh, the Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith, is long for those sidelines after losing
1: to Carolina. And, you know, not to dovetail too much off of, you know, the Panthers, but just looking at, you know, the trade they made with Chicago, it's like a lot of talk is, you know, Chicago is going to be moving on from Justin Fields. So that pick is, you know, critical, you know, if they get number one, are they going to take um, – oh, my goodness. His, Caleb Williams. K, thank you. His name was escaping me. <laughs> or Drake May. I was thinking you know, Carolina's quarterback, Drake May. So, you know, at two, I think it's safe to say, you know, or even at three, you, you'll have Drake May available. But um, Caleb Williams is one of probably one of the better college quarterbacks I've seen in a long time. Well, but, now,
0: beware what you say, because folks were saying the same thing in April – when it came down to Bryce, I was saying that. I said Bryce was a Bryce or was R.J. Really Stroud or Anthony Richardson, and there was that mini run right at the top in terms of quarterbacks. And at least the first year results <laughs> showed no; those three were not the same in the same league based on the results. Well, C.J. Stroud's pretty
1: talented. I mean, he's well, been yeah. hurt. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing about him. He's been hurt. Well, I mean, you can say the same thing
0: for <laughs> Richardson. Richardson's a little bit
1: different style.
0: Where Yeah, but know. while they were on the field, it looks like there was a there was a big gap between Stroud, Richardson, and Young. <laughs> and who was the one who went first? Well,
1: i I still say Bryce is probably a better passer than Richardson. I mean, Richardson reminds me so much of... Almost like a hybrid between Michael Vick and like a, I don't know. I mean, he he's not as fast as Vick, and I, I don't think he's quite as strong as Cam Newton was. But you mean you mesh the two? I mean, that's pretty good quarterback uh, and if you can surround it with good pieces. Yeah, for sure. But m- the mobility thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you also look at mobile quarterbacks and their lifespan is not as long because they get hurt and you're on IR and out for the season. Yeah. Just like what happened with Richardson. And, you know, I don't – obviously we here don't wish any malice on people, but it's just like I don't know if a running quarterback in this day and age – I mean, how how is Lamar Jackson fair being, you know, the running quarterback he is? He's got a good offensive line that can protect him. In Indianapolis's offensive line,
0: eh. yeah, it's a little
1: shaky. Sometimes. But in Carolina's definitely so. It's a good thing it's Bryce didn't Sims. run a quarterback.
0: <laughs> it's a sieve. It's like, okay, come on through. There's nothing stopping you. A lot of things. Uh, and so, last on our list, it's football. But of the international variety, <laughs> otherwise known in the States as soccer. Where you actually use your feet more than your hands. Uh, absolutely. And Charlotte FC, it's a big week for them. Uh, they finally introduced their new head coach, Dean Smith. Uh, not that Dean Smith. <laughs> as uh, you know, To Charlotte Media. And I think the, the one question everybody had was, do you know what you're getting into with this job? And he doesn't seem to really be all that pressed over it. And I can halfway understand why he isn't, because well, this dude play and coach in the English Premier League. Yeah. That's like that's to, the, to the to the English. That's the NFL. He's stepping down.
1: And, and, yeah. And I don't mean disrespectfully to the MLS, but when you look at what Messi does playing, you know, internationally and playing in. Uh, you know Premier League and even in la liga and just that level of of soccer is just so, so superior to what the MLS has produced and I mean, he comes over and he plays MLS and I mean he's you know two goals three goals every game I mean you know Messi was just killing it with uh with Florida and so you know I, but I think with uh, coach Smith I mean he, he's ready um biggest you know my biggest takeaway was he was like you know if I came here to you know not win an mlf cup then why was i hired and That's you know a lofty lofty comment but mm-hmm. at the same time you know he's he's about player development he wants to uh you know, be there for his players
0: and so i think it was a good hire i think it, it, he's got a great attitude and i think that if he can deliver we will actually see maybe the ownership not make the knee jerk reactions that it's been known to make. That's another point
1: though. What does deliver mean? Because while some people weren't happy with the former coach, I mean, he did still take them to, you know, the MLS playoffs and stuff. So it's like where where does Tepper string? Like where where does he draw the line? Wins.
0: Sic-
1: Not what? draws. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, but I mean <laughs> The success was still improved upon from the prior year, but
0: they won fewer games and still made the playoffs. So that's what you know. And granted, you know, is it winning and missing the playoffs, or is it making the playoffs and not being the most marketable kind of style? Well, it's, I mean, it's Tepper wanting his cake and wanting to eat
1: it too. I mean, yeah. You know, sometimes I think you need to take a step back and look at okay is progress being made in the wins category maybe not so much but in the loss category sure yeah because you're you're not losing losing as much clearly yeah and so I know that's one thing um, you know in in American sports you know outside of soccer there's well and if you include hockey in there too but there's not draws there's winners and losers exactly and so When when you talk about soccer, you know, you add that draw, you know, facet into things. It's like, well, they didn't lose. I mean, they didn't get over the edge and win. I think soccer is such a finicky thing and, like, just that success can be defined in so many different ways.
0: That's true. That's true. So... We'll leave it at that (laughs) before our soccer folks jump on us. (laughs) Uh, And so that will conclude this edition of sports Charlotte. Uh, Be sure to check us out on our webpage, the charlottepost.com where you'll see all our sports stuff. And we are loaded with (laughs) Hornets, Panthers, 49ers, Golden Bulls, you name it, it's out there. And, uh, We appreciate you listening to the podcast on Queen City Podcast Network as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So for everybody here at the Charlotte Post, I'm Herb. And I'm Cameron. Thanks for listening. Have a Merry Christmas. Peace. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com